Hello there. Welcome to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. Uh, my name's Matt Tilly. I am here with Craig Faust. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Craig. We are sitting here drinking some coffee as we are getting ready to jump into Genesis uh, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. I mean, who knows how far we'll, we'll get into this as we're talking about kind of the story of Noah today. Uh, this is the podcast where we are trying to pull out these mental health insights in the biblical narrative and try to better understand how we can live our life today in a way that is uh, good. <laughs> I don't know if there's another way to say that, a way that, that gives us life, a way that brings hope to the daily suffering that we experience and the confusing things that happen. But the people who are living in Scripture thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, they're not that different from us. And even though the circumstances are extreme, I mean, we're talking about a worldwide flood, the people, I mean, they don't feel that far off from how we experience ourselves today. So I think as we look at their stories, we can actually learn quite a bit about what is done right and how can we replicate that in our lives today. Right. So one of the things that uh, when, when looking at the story of Noah we're going to maybe do today's episode just a little bit different. We're trying to look at this from almost like a 100,000-foot view as we try to understand and glean some of these mental health insights that we should be taking away from this story for us today just to kind of help us a little bit understand, like Matt, like Matt said, how can we live a life that is full of life? And I think one of the important things we left off last time as – uh, we start to hit this genealogy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Matt, but those are my favorite parts of the Bible to skip. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say, those are my favorite parts of the Bible. Oh, absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember you know trying to challenge myself as a kid to read through the entire Bible and just feeling like it dragged on when I got to these genealogy bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, who are these people? Why is it so difficult to pronounce their names? Why is it important for me to know this? Um, And it seemed silly, but as I've understood more about how to interpret Scripture, why different parts of the Bible are written the way they are, and why each one is individualistically important, uh, genealogy is important as well. It serves a purpose, and there's multiple layers of information in there that is at least good for the reader to know, even if we don't have a large significance towards this one very specific person right smack right. tab in the middle but to know that there's a, a family tree that it is creating some kind of reference point for us mm-hmm. to know that uh, this is how uh, the people in Israel uh, were impacted in, in uh, the significance of who came from who, how it led toward Jesus yeah. being the Savior. He came through the the Israelite families, um, that it references us back to the story of creation as well. Um, there's so many different layers of information that we probably could pull out of this if we were you know, more biblical scholars and right. genealogists as well. Well, and here's some of the things that we can share from this, is that genealogy is important for a couple different reasons. One, this is setting the stage. It is filling this world that the Bible is taking you through right now. So as they go through generations and they're focusing on like specific family lines, that's important for us 
as far as like context of like where we're at, you know, mm-hmm. whose kid we're talking about here, yeah. right? We get a little bit of idea of like where Noah falls into this line and eventually how this line leads all the way to Jesus. Yeah. And this also provides a lot of other context. And again, like Matt says, we're not Bible scholars. And if this is something that you're super interested in, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of exploration of this. And I would encourage you to uh, go ahead, you can do a quick search, and you can find different scholars that are dedicated to specifically like ancestry in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But you'll find some really cool things. Uh, we find out different people groups that are populated from these genealogies. Yeah. We find out uh, different enemies of Israel that actually come from these different genealogies. Uh, we find out that, um, like, from these genealogies, like we've spoken before about this, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about this today, like this covenant that follows through generations. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of important stuff with that. And while we're not going to be focusing specifically on genealogy, we do want to honor that it is there in the Bible. It is there to unpack. There's a lot of significance and meaning in in there, even if it's not something that we're specifically going to look at uh, here today. Right. Yeah. I mean, genealogies, they provide some historical uh, accuracy for the Bible, but while recognizing still that the Bible's not written as a history book and the way that they even wrote history is different from the way that we write history. So uh, there's things even in the genealogy that they're very selective about. You know, the point isn't to give us every single person that was ever born. I mean, even in Genesis 5, you know, it, it has this rhythm of telling us, you know, they Seth lived 105 years. He fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Well, why not give us all of the other children that Seth had? Right. Uh, but that's not the point of what this gene- genealogy is trying to do. Yep. Um, it's leading us on a path towards something that's going yes. to show up in the narrative, in the story later. Yeah. Right? So these are important parts, and I think it's really easy to look at some numbers and the years that people have lived and uh, kind of be off-put or ask a lot of questions. I think there's just something important, again, reiterating that the Bible is not a historical document. It's not trying to tell you the years that things happened or anything like that. So uh, whenever you're exploring this genealogy, a lot of people talk about these years and and different things around that too, which is something that's Mm -hmm. important. So again, as we're looking forward here, though, uh, we're moving into talking about Noah. And this is an important you know, this is an important story for a lot of different reasons, but I think it's important whenever we just talk about like the sheer mental health side of things. Um, we are painted a picture around how the world is not in great shape. Mm. You know, there's been generations right. upon generations of people born. Um, I mean, who knows how many people are existing in the world right. at this point, but if you are living, you know, 700, 800, 900 plus years, think about all the children that people are populating the earth with. Right. Um, Not even that too, but what makes, I think, Genesis 6 so sad for me also is as it talks about the corruption and the evil that's in the world. You know, we just went through Genesis 5 where it talks about, you know, very specific names and they had sons and daughters. Like, these are all people made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. We're coming very fresh off of that train. Everyone's made in the image of God. And so this is a big deal for God to make this decision 
pretty harsh decision to wipe out this evil, to bring this flood that's about to come. Right. So we'll end the story there talking about that. Mm-hmm. As we're kind of going to this and the biblical authors are setting the scene for us, we are getting a sense that there is corruption in this world. Yeah. And th- there's a couple different phrases that are important to pick out, right? Anytime that the Bible talks about like the flesh or anything like that, they're usually talking about like impulsiveness. They're usually talking about kind of falling to your own desires. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple mentions of this here in Scripture, even talking about this. Um, where you know people are listening to their flesh or they are doing things that are pleasing to the flesh. And for us, when we look at mental health side of things, this is usually whenever we're just doing things that are pleasurable, right? Matt and I are drinking coffee right now, and I'll tell you right now, my flesh desires coffee. I enjoy it. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. I like the warm sensation. I like the taste. All these different things. Uh, even my stomach started growling easy, yeah, even as I started that. talking about it, right? There is something about my flesh that desires this. And really, for us being human beings, we are plagued by all of these different things that our body wants. And we have a really cool system in our brain that is set up specifically to do this, right? So. You're talking about like ancient, uh, ancient, uh, you know, neural channels that are developed uh, in our own physiology. We are designed in a way that we see things like our, when our body gives us a signal of something it needs. Let's say water, right, or even food. Food's my favorite, right? So like, let's talk about food, right? So like, my my stomach growls there because I was talking about coffee, but like, let's say it was growling because my body's hungry. My brain will unconsciously, but sometimes if I'm paying attention to it, right, it's conscious, but it will unconsciously start going through, okay, what was the thing that I did last time to help with this sensation, with this hunger? What are some other options that I have? What are resources that I have? So a lot of the example I like to give to clients is that, you know, like pizza. I got like four different pizza places number on my phone. So, you know, uh, if I'm hungry and my brain's like, oh, you know what? I know pizza kind of satisfied this feeling before. Unconsciously, my brain will start to work through different things like, well, is your pizza place by? What time is it? Is it appropriate for pizza? Do I have money for pizza? Do I have any rewards points in any of these Mm -hmm. places? And then what will happen is it will start kind of hitting my conscious mind with different things. Ooh, pizza sounds good right now. Hey, you know what? I think Emos is running the deal. That's mm-hmm. a local pe- uh, pizza place. Um, uh, one of the best pizza places in St. Louis. St. Louis has its own style of pizza. Everybody, it's <laughs> that thin crust, and it's awesome. Yeah, or uh, you know, so so for us, this this system is designed like this, and it's a survival based system, right? If you know, I'm an ancient human, and I'm thirsty. My brain is going to recall back to the last place I got water, and it's going to help me remember. If I'm looking for food and I'm hunting and foraging, I'm going to remember the last place that I saw maybe an animal I could hunt or berries that I could pick off you know, bushes or, or whatever. So this is a system that is designed to help us survive. Right. Yeah, and our body gives us these signals, right? Uh, but I think the first signals that we're starting to feel in that sense are, what do I need? Mm-hmm. And that can be different than the overindulgence, right? Now, in 
uh, before the fall came, we had an abundance, right? And I think that we were able to very accurately assess what do we need and how do I get that filled? But, right. you know, post-fall, we can still feel like I have this need for something, but we take it too far. We can say, oh, yeah, food sounds good, but we don't listen to that cue in our body, mm-hmm. which I think is also a signal that our body will give us when we're full. Mm-hmm. And we might continue to eat just because we like the pleasure that this good thing gives us. And human beings, we are really good post-fall of finding any good thing that God has given us. And he's given us a lot of good things that we actually are meant to enjoy. And pleasure is not a bad thing. Right. But where we overindulge that pleasure and we make that good thing ultimate mm-hmm. until ultimately it becomes destructive in right. our life. Well, and let's jump from maybe something that's easy to talk about to something that's harder to talk about, sex, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, we talk a lot about relationships and different things like that. So it's important to recognize that, like, pleasure is something that's wired into our brain. It helps us to know what it is that we like so that we'll continue to do that behavior. And in a relationship, especially in a committed relationship, there is this idea that you know a sexual encounter is going to happen. In fact, you see this a lot in the Bible, where people marry, they lay with each other, Early they make on known. in the Bible. Oh yeah, yeah. Chapter two, chapter three. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So this idea is that in human beings, you know, we are not like a lot of animals, where uh, we will have sex even if it's not trying to like conceive, or even if it's not trying to reproduce. So this is something that we find enjoyable, and a lot of the things that we see in the Bible whenever it talks about corruption, a lot of times it does talk about men having multiple wives and different Mm -hmm. things like that, which kind of gives us a hint, right, that people are listening to the urges of their body. So And then overindulging them. Yes. Not just listening, overindulging Mm -hmm. what they're hearing. Yeah. Well, and this happens easily in a lot of relationships, Mm -hmm. right? So... In the culture here in the United States, um, like a lot of times when I work with uh, work within the context of this culture, um, men usually are pursuing sex at a higher rate than women, and women are usually pursuing like an emotional connection at a higher rate than men. So this becomes a huge issue mm-hmm. whenever a man is potentially pursuing sex, and they're pursuing connection with someone through that way because. This is kind of like seeking that type of pleasure of that type of connection. And it's potentially uh, pushing their partner away or it's potentially sacrificing this like emotional connection that's happened. And the same thing that happens with women. And, we, you know, we see this introduced, of course, uh, during the fall, right, mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, we see the, the curse that befalls Eve. And the, the challenge that we have with this like now today is that our pleasures and our desires of our flesh are sometimes contradictory to some of the things that we need to do to have a flourishing relationship, to live a flourishing life, and for us to kind of learn that just because we have this need that's coming up doesn't mean it's actually like an uppercase need, right? Hmm. Sometimes it's a want, like Matt said, or sometimes like it's a desire, right? My stomach growling there earlier doesn't really mean that I actually need another cup of coffee. It might mean that my body wants another cup. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that needs to actually distinguish between those. 
And there's also a part of me that needs to lead into God to help me distinguish with some of those things. Right. All right. So like if I'm in my relationship and I'm feeling this distance and my desire is to try to connect with my wife in a physical way, there might be times where I have to take a step back and I have to try to assess, all right, am I trying to connect in an appropriate way here? And I might even have to lean into like trying to pray to God about it and talk to God about it. Like, is this something that is just my body that's telling me something to do, that's that's trying to push something? Mm-hmm. Or is this, you know, is this something that is, like, being ordained? Or is this something that uh, God is trying to help me to try to, like, forge this connection? And you yeah. know what? A lot of times, whenever... Whenever couples really kind of take a look at like those types of things, like the desire to be close, they kind of find out that they're both making different moves and strides to do that, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of times we do that in a way that isn't really honoring of the other person. Right. It's more focused on this is what I want. I want to feel this connection, mm-hmm. not how do I help them feel like we are connected? What can I do totally. that makes them feel loved? Yeah. And so in that moment where you're trying to pay attention to what I need and do I want, does my body feel like I need mm-hmm. to be connected to my wife? I think it's important, yes, to pay attention to what our body is saying, like it's craving or it wants or it needs. But also we have to pay attention not just to our body, but to the spirit. And so there's these multifaceted levels to a human being. And it means that we don't just pay attention to what our body needs. We need to pay attention to what our heart needs and our spirit needs and our right. mind needs. Well, and maybe even how we go about expressing that. Yeah. Right? Like if I want to connect physically with my wife, if I want to sit there and like hold her hand or, or have a hug or something like that, or even if I'm like, you know what, I would like to have sex, then one of the things that we need to take some time to kind of recognize how like what is that desire in us is it just this physical desire a lot of times as we sit around that we start to recognize that it is a physical desire but it's also more than that yeah so if i can go to my wife and i could tell her like hey like i'm feeling really distant right now i just want to be close to you can we you know can we just sit here and like hold hands or i just really need a hug right now could i just get a hug right now or different things like that and i'm able to express that because if i go up to my wife and be like hey good looking you know i, I want to do something mm. tonight would you be okay with that like after our son falls asleep like, you know let's uh, let's go have some fun that invitation to her may not sound really like an invitation to mm. her right? it might sound pretty cheap to her it might sound like he just wants sex he just wants wants pleasure he doesn't want me it could come off so many different ways but also it's not a way of me expressing my true desire which is just to be closer to my wife in some way and so you know this happens a lot with couples where you get into this like protest thing where it's like hey you know what i don't want to tell my wife that you know i feel like there's this distance there and i just want to be close and like i just want to like hold her hand and like you know that's where i feel success and trying to be close to her Mm -hmm. you know it's easiest easier for me to communicate my love for her if i'm just holding her hand and i'm kind of rubbing her knuckles right Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, I don't want to say that because, you know, that makes sound kind of cheesy or, you know, it may be hard for me to come up with the words for that. Or like this desire to have sex may be so loud 
that it's hard for me to listen to that actually kind of quiet music in the background mm -hmm. about this longing for some type of connection, right. any type of connection. Right. So instead of communicating that, I ask her if she wants to have sex, and she's like, oh, gosh, like he's asking this again. He's asked every damn night of the week mm -hmm. this. And then so she gets used to rejecting me, then I get mad, and you know, I may you even start say, playing out a cycle. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, I have a newer director at uh, my practice, and he leads these men groups. Uh, for people all over St. Louis. Uh, and he, you know, asked them, I think it was a few months ago, uh, hey, men, what does it feel like uh, emotionally, uh, spiritually, whenever you have sex with your your spouse? And, you know, the, the list that they were able to give, and he would write these down on a, a whiteboard, um, warm and fuzzy, I feel vulnerable, mm -hmm. well, I feel connected, I feel loved. I feel known. Um, and the list goes on of these really right. powerful feelings of, of intimacy, essentially. Yeah. And then he asked them, do you, do you tell any of them this? And not a single one responded right. to him in the positive. No, like we don't communicate any of those things right. to them. So isn't that crazy? Right. So if you're sitting there in that moment and you're like, wow. So my spouse is just thinking that sex is just sex and does not realize there is a depth there. The same thing goes with, um, you know, people that are seeking emotional connection, mm -hmm. right? Where there may not be the realization of the depth there. And some of that is, is because like our flesh, it, like has these impulses that are constantly firing on us. And the thing is, it's impossible to keep all those in check. Mm -hmm. It is impossible to do that. And we need to be able to ask and pray, uh, you know, to God for us to have some type of discernment between yeah. these two things. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I love to have cookies. Chocolate chip cookies are great. I know? literally made a whole batch of chocolate chip cookies last night because I was craving it. Right. Yeah. So the, the thing is that cravings lead to actions, right? Desires mm -hmm. of the flesh lead to actions. And sometimes we have to discern whether or not those actions are appropriate for us or not, mm. and, and whether or not they're actually going to be potentially harmful to us. Mm -hmm. So, the, you know, whenever the biblical authors are setting up, like, the corruption of the world, a lot of times they're talking about a lot of sexual immorality, people yep. being, like, Sex very— Sex comes up often, and oh, yeah. violence as well comes up often. Yes. It's yes. like, this is something important, and, like, to translate into, like, maybe more modern turn, terms that people can understand more— being on the road, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, people cutting you off in traffic or not signaling or, or whatever, all the different things that can make us mad, stock mm -hmm. market stuff, uh, mm -hmm. job stuff, all these different things that can chores make us at your house. Yeah. <laughs> not totally. getting fulfilled. <laughs> and, and, and so there is this anger and this violence that can easily show up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and so they're painting the picture of this corrupted world that is not just, and I really emphasize that because we live in a world that, the not just part that we're talking about is a lot like race and culture and different things like that uh, that are very real. And in this time of you know human history that the Bible is referring to, the violence and everything that they're talking about is kind of just an echo of a similar thing to what we're going through now because the violence is real. And, you know, yeah. there's very much a concern with how. Um, 
you know, how our law enforcement might interact with different parts of the community and training around that and all these different things. And even how the community just responds to, to laws and, and law enforcement and everything. There's a lot of complexities around that. Yeah. And at the same time, there is a hardship in whenever a world becomes violent and whenever God sees that a world falls to violence, there's not as much love. There's not as much compassion. There's not as much of us taking care, which later on, right, God's going to get to this in the Bible. There's not as much taking care of the um, underserved people groups. There's mm-hmm. not as much taking care of the most vulnerable in society. Right. It becomes about yourself mm-hmm. at that moment of getting your own needs met, right? And and I think much more easy to indulge in whatever need or want I might have in that moment, which is what's happening to the culture and to the society here at the beginning of Genesis totally. 6. And we might talk a lot more about our culture as we talk about the culture of of uh, this group here, but our culture is not immune to corruption and evil and violence and mm-hmm. distortion of good things. Um, and I think we're going to see as we go through this kind of a warning against consistently just going with the culture. Right. Well, so then as we kind of like step into Noah, we get a good picture of that, right? Um, Noah is someone that stands apart. God looks upon the world, sees this corruption, sees the evil and man that's going on. And mm-hmm. of course, right, they've fallen. Um, they're in the fallen state. The curses are active. Uh, the land is cursed. All these different things that are not right. good that are going on. And we see one righteous man. Yep. We see Noah. And there's a lot of great things that are going on with Noah that are good for us to recognize just from like a mental health standpoint. Yeah. I think for me, whenever I'm I'm looking through scripture and I'm trying to pull out some of these mental health insights, I'm kind of looking for who's doing the things that, that go right for them. Uh, what are the things that help their life to go right in the first place right and it's good to, to try to replicate that in our life totally um and so if we can look at what's going wrong but focus also a little bit more on what noah is doing that actually makes things go right for him i mean even his his name the meaning of his name in genesis 5 i think is an indication of of how the society and culture is feeling this curse upon them uh genesis 5 uh, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. And so the society culture is still feeling this weight upon them. Um, and the curse continues in the way that they treat each other. And in chapter 6, like God uses this language um, to describe... Uh, how they were treating women, and there was, a again, this distortion of sex. Uh, when man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them. And again, this is, keep in mind, coming out of Genesis 5, where it's talking about they had other sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. These are men and women created in the image of God. But when these daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive. And they took as their wives any they chose. That 
is so incredibly sad to me and yet another good example of how the evil in this world is creating this distinction between men and women and treating women like property things to be taken um and again where god shows up and there's a consequence for this like he is naming in some way hey this isn't the way i i designed it this isn't what i want for you because he pretty quickly uh says then the lord said my spirit shall not abide in man forever for he is flesh his days shall be 120 years so he begins to put a cap on how long man's allowed to live we're not reaching those years of 700 800 900 years anymore where we probably i mean even though i think that i have some goodness in me being made in the image of god and i like to think i pursue good and holy and righteous things man i'd have a lot more temptation living to 900 years to do evil right right well and as we see this effect that that's going on where this corruption is seeding and we see noah this righteous person and again in the biblical narrative we're going to see a lot of righteousness um where there's kind of like a one person one family or anything like that 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 are set apart it hurts to see this corruption in the world it hurts god you know we see that through the biblical narrative and like as we're reading this it should hurt us too just like it hurts me to see people that are in pain you know the people that come into my rooms that are crying that are they're having the heartache there's this sadness there's this crushing sensation that life is is harming them and we have we have to kind of look at this right because what is going on with noah that makes him so different and noah is set apart he's doing something that's different than what everyone else is doing everyone else else is chasing the sexual immorality everybody else is kind of pursuing their own flesh and while all this is going on noah is having a relationship with god mm-hmm. and noah is walking and abiding in that relationship right this actually leads to god making a covenant with with noah yeah um as matt was kind of talking about a little bit before we started record, recording this is the first time that uh, the word covenant is used very explicitly mm-hmm. in the narrative so we see that this is a pretty big deal that this is happening and that God is planning on starting a new people through Noah. Right. Well, he makes this uh, hard decision that everything on the earth shall die because it is corrupt, it is violent, it is wicked, it is evil. And it, by the way, in chapter 6, verse uh, verse 6, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. He didn't make this decision lightly. Mm-hmm. There was a brokenness in his heart. It grieved him to have to make this decision. But he made a covenant with Noah, and he decided in that covenant he was going to save part of his creation, the part of his creation that was walking with him, that was in relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't total destruction. It was it was saving. Right. I mean, at humanity at this point, did we even deserve to be saved? Was it was it something that we did deserve to be totally annihilated? And God is the one who created us. 
And if we believe that God is good, was he within his right to take us off this earth? I would say that, yes, he was. And yet he chose to set aside a portion of us to save us. And that is amazing. That's part of his covenant is that he keeps his promises. Part of his covenant is that he was making this declaration of, I will not harm you. You will be saved from my destruction, Noah. And he began to lay out the ground rules of everything that Noah needed to do in order to be saved from this flood. Not just him, but his wife and his sons and his sons' wives. He was giving us humanity, a hope. Yeah, there's a plan here. I think that's important, right? During a, a good relationship, there are things that we can communicate to each other that deepen that relationship. In this case, it's a, a sense of safety that, yeah. that God is offering. And, you know, when we see that Noah is set apart in this, we see he's very different than everyone else, right? He's, you know, as we mentioned earlier, he's not committing these uh, sexual acts. He's not, um, he's not wavering from God. There is a—it makes me think of, right? I have, I have a couple clients that have done this where, uh, and, and in my opinion, this is very hard to do in our world, they, uh, they're not on social media. At some point or another, they recognize that there is mm-hmm. an effect that that has on them, and they did not want to take part in it anymore. And it is just so incredible to me because it's hard. It's hard to do. And in their, in their mind, they're doing it for their own mental health, for, the, for their own sanity in a lot of ways. Uh, because for whatever reason, uh, you know, they could be triggered with social media or, you know, if they're in recovery, they may get served ads that um, kind of make some of those impulses too great for them. So they decided that, all right, I'm just going to eliminate this from my life. They are living mm-hmm. apart, literally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from different things. And a lot of times you go to church, your pastor uh, or priest will call this. Uh, out to like live apart from the world, right? And it's hard. Absolutely, know? it's it very is. difficult. I think about this every time that um, you know I look at my finances, and you know I'm setting aside, you know, so my finances for um, you know different donations and, and different things like that. Or I think about this whenever you know I choose how I'm going to spend time, you know, or allocate certain efforts or anything like that, where we have to be intentional about what it is that we're doing and not necessarily always allow ourselves to, you know, make decisions based on the impulses and everything that we have. Yeah. Maybe this thing that I want to do isn't actually going to be good for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should actually have boundaries in my life and choose to not go to that place, not look at this thing, not give into this desire that I have because not everything that we want is good for us. Totally. And we get this idea that this is probably one of the first times we get a really good glimpse at it, yeah. that there is something different about Noah. And we as people that are interested in mental health, we need to kind of consider that, that something about him living separate from the world is important here. And we're supposed to be you know, grabbing onto that, that yeah. with Noah kind of doing things on his own, there is this temptation in the world to come alongside of you and drag you towards its certain things, whether or not that's rock concerts for you or whether 
I don't know why rock concerts came up. Whether <laughs> or not that's so certain, old like, there, Craig. Yeah, like whether concert. or not it's certain like fast food stuff or whether or not it's, you know, uh, taking 21 shots on your 21st birthday or mm. whatever it is that the culture bashes you over the head with. Um, and culture's not necessarily bad a lot of times. But no, we have there's to, a beauty and goodness in culture yeah. as well, but also an extreme danger. Totally. We have to have discernment. Yes. Uh, over what is good and what is not. And we get that discernment from God. And we yeah. do that by praying and walking in relationship. Yeah. And we're seeing at this time that Noah is the only person that's doing this. And him being set aside, uh, you know, I never saw the uh, movie, the like more recent Noah movie. Oh, that it was, was like, horrible, dude. Okay. But I Don't do know go, that. Don't uh, go see it. Yeah, I remember seeing some of the trailers and like Noah was not treated very well for her, you know, in some of the trailers um, by the other people. Right, he's made fun of, ridiculed, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know whether or not any of that's true. I don't know, but I, what I do know is that people that are set apart, people look at them weird, and a lot oh, yeah, of times they get we, judged. Yeah, we fall to peer pressure, and there is something about that, us being true to who we are and how we're designed, that is important. And a lot of times, if we're trying, you know, if we're not being who we're designed to be. You know, I think about this. All right, uh, nerd out for a second. Mm-hmm. So, Matt and I both play Dungeons and Dragons, and we actually have a therapy group that you know we do with Dungeons and Dragons, and it's, it's really awesome. And in order to do this, I've had to play Dungeons and Dragons on my own, and and you know some of me and my friends play it so that I can learn how to play the system. And one of the things I've discovered is that I cannot play an evil character. There's something about it that really disturbs me and bothers me, mm-hmm. um, you know. Or if I do like extremely evil acts, even though it's just a game, like there's something about it that feels off to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, the 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 way that I kind of look at this, and the way that I understand this is, there's a part of me that has decided to separate myself from those types of things that, that you know I don't like them, and. That's kind of how we're being called to live our life, is to try to find the things that are pushing us more and more towards sin, pushing us more and more towards, uh, or rather pushing us more and more away from God, and eliminating those things from our life the best that we can. You know, and this is hard. You know, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Noah was doing it. I'm sure it wasn't easy for him. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these other people that are called righteous people in the Bible, uh, I'm sure that it wasn't easy for them too. But for our mental health sake, it is also important because, like, for us, even though it may be stressful to be away from society, those people that I mentioned that don't get on social media, they have a lot less stress in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, they're being Absolutely. hit by less messages. My wife and I don't really watch TV. And it is nice. Uh, we don't watch the news Do all the time. Do not be constantly so, yeah, bombarded so by the evil, the destruction, the totally. chaos in the world. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like, uh, you know, it takes away so many anticipation for things, right? If you see a movie trailer and you're like, oh, man, I'm excited about that, but I can't wait. You know, and it's kind of in the back of your mind to check on it every once in a while or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. I don't I have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, you know, it's... and. You know, I, I don't think I'm hugely apart from the world that, uh, you know, we don't really watch TV that much. But I do know that it does help clear up mental space for other things for me because yeah. I most certainly have other things that I do that, um, you know, maybe I do need to clear up a little bit. But there is a certain priority, certain purpose 
whenever we can kind of get fully behind that, it does take and it does have profound impacts on our mental health where we're dedicating time and energy. And if I'm dedicating time and energy to scrolling on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, scrolling on Facebook, TikTok, uh, you know, Twitter, all these different things, then it becomes hard. If I'm taking all this time to read certain authors or novels or anything like that, that may take up a lot of mental headspace. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm sitting there just scrolling on Amazon, thinking about like, what else do I want to (laughs) buy? There are, that that starts to produce different anxieties, like about money and like, how fast am I going to get this? Like, do I really need this? And triggering all those, um, you know, parts of the flesh that we're talking about. And sometimes... Mm -hmm. We have to sit with this and try to recognize that these things are happening, and then we have to pray to God and ask for discernment so that we can kind of recognize if this is stuff that we need to take out of our lives or not. Right. Because God isn't going to take all the stress out of your life, but God has built you to be able to handle a certain amount of stress. Yep. And sometimes we are just packing on more stress than what God has intended us to take on. Right. And, you know, God may need to kind of give us... Uh, a little bit of guidance with that, and we have to be willing to go to God in that. And, of course, this is what we see with Noah, and as we're going to see with a lot of other major figures in the Bible, they walk alongside with God Yeah, for all this. Um, there's a lot more that we can say about our culture, but we don't have the time for it right now. Um, we will continue to talk about our culture and some of the, the pitfalls that we can fall in, especially as we walk side by side with the culture that is in Scripture and how it changes and develops. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of similarities, but of course differences. Um, one of my other favorite podcasts that you should all check out is called This Cultural Moment. Uh, beautifully describes kind of how we've arrived to this place in our yeah. culture today in, in the West. Um, what influences we've had, uh, whether it's from a Christian influence or influences from many other countries, uh, mm. but but also the things that we need to watch out for, um, the boundaries that we need to, to have, some of the things that we might need to weed out of our lives, or at least surround ourselves with people and a community that challenges us to not do everything that the world is doing. And again, not that all of those things are bad, just like the gifts that God gives us are not bad or evil or wrong, and yet we, even the best Christian, we have such an easy way of using those things and making them ultimate, of of letting the ball roll as culture uh, moves forward and tells us, oh yeah, this is fine, oh, this is okay. Right. Um, well, this is what you should be paying this attention is, to. Exactly. Uh, and it makes it 10 times easier, I think, to give into, oh, this is a, a gift of God. It's totally okay that I indulge right. in this thing, that I do this thing. When in reality, even if it's permissible for us, even as believers, if it's permissible for us, I think we do have a lot of permission to enjoy pleasures and gifts that God has given us in this world. But we have to ask ourselves, is it beneficial for us? Right. And a lot of times it's probably not beneficial for us yeah and we can get to this mountain peak and there's a temptation to fall i think on either one side or the other side where you know we overindulge grace and we say i can do all of these things i I go along with all of the cultural uh, priorities that we have today and you know it's fine because if i if i'm sinning in some area well there's grace for that Mm -hmm. and while grace is true we can abuse grace and take advantage of it 
and do things that are actually harmful for our heart and our mental health today. And we can also fall on the other side of that mountain peak and be very legalistic with rules and, you know, paying attention to the do's and don'ts that we kind of see a little bit in Scripture, to the law more so. And we wind up looking down on other people, thinking that we're better than them. And both sides of that mountain peak are pretty dangerous. Um, But I think we can talk a little bit more about that throughout our, our other episodes. Totally. So if you take something from this, hopefully it's that. Look at some of the things that maybe you feel that your flesh calls you to a lot and see if you can kind of turn the volume down on some of that stuff even just a little bit. This isn't perfection here that God's looking for. Um, just a step in the right direction and a relationship with them. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Mental Health Insights in the Bible. And if you like us, uh, give us a five-star recommendation. Uh, refer us to somebody else that you know. Um, connect with us in some way. Let us know if you have any questions. We would love to connect with you and answer any of those. But otherwise, we look forward to seeing you at our next episode. Thank you for listening to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. This podcast is conducted by two licensed professionals in mental health counseling But this podcast is not meant to provide medical or legal advice and is not a substitute for personal counseling. The song on our podcast is called Indie Folk by Alexi Action, found on Pixabay. If you are listening to this and feel that you may be a harm to yourself or others, please reach out to Professional because we believe your life is worth it.